All right, we're going to take a look here. We're going to pick it up in verse 23 this morning of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Thank you, brother. I'm just going to read through this passage of scripture because the Apostle Paul, who was an apostle that was born out of due time, he had some neat interactions with Jesus himself. Okay, and God spoke some things to him very clearly. And I love because so much of what we do as the church, we learn from his epistles, letters that he wrote to the church, instructing them how to do church. And one of those things that we do when we come together is partake of the Lord's table, of the bread and the cup. And here we're going to read in verse 23 now. Instructions are given here. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and we had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same manner, he took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And then he says, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You guys kind of excited about that? Do you guys know that God is faithful to his promises? He promised to come. Did he come? Yes. Okay. And he ascended back into heaven after he was crucified, buried. He rose again from the dead. He appeared to a bunch of people. And then he ascended into heaven where he is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us today, but he's also promised to come again. I don't know about you guys, but aren't you glad that all the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen? He's faithful to his word. And that's one thing, guys, that I love, because as we partake this morning, we're actually proclaiming that we believe God's promises, that just as he came the first time, he is going to come again. And that's going to be pretty cool. I can't wait for Jesus to come and set everything right. Do you guys know that the apostles, like the disciples, they were really excited when Jesus came. Wow, the Messiah is here. The Savior of Israel. The Messiah of the world. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to rule and he's going to reign. And everything is finally going to be set right. Because right now these Romans are oppressing us. Okay? Caesar thinks he's God. They're so crazy. We know the true God. Do you guys know that Jesus is actually going to do all those things? But that's not why he came the first time. He came, guys, to give his life. And that's what we do when we come to the table. We remember as we partake of the bread, his life that he lived. And he lived a perfect life to be a perfect sacrifice. And when he hung on that tree, he shed his blood. That's the cup, guys. And because of the blood that he shed, there's a new covenant, right? We're not under that Old Testament covenant anymore. There's a new covenant where now we can all, Gentiles too, have relationship with the living God, to know him, to be a part of his family, to be his people. I think that's pretty cool to think about. And as his people, we know some things that the world doesn't know. The world thinks everything's just falling apart. Where's the hope? What are we going to do? We can't do nothing. The best of us are trying, and it's still a mess out there. But there is one who is coming, one who is going to set everything right, who is going to rule rightly. It is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Jesus. And he's promised to come again. I don't know about you guys. Aren't you glad? 
We're looking for him. That's where our eyes need to be. And that's what we're going to proclaim together this morning. So let's partake. You guys want to take the bread? Let's eat that together. Some of you guys might wonder, Pastor, why don't you ever eat the bread out of these little cups? I'm allergic to them. If you guys have any leads on gluten-free little cups, that would be awesome. And let's partake of the cup also. I love the promises of God. It's one of the things I so enjoy when I read the scriptures because they're chocked full. Do you guys know there's thousands of promises in the Bible for you and I? Thousands. Think about that. It's a lot. And how many do we actually know? I don't know them all. That's why I enjoy reading about them in his word. But I want to encourage you guys. Um, it's one thing to know the promises, but it's another thing to enter into the promises of God. I love this morning that our kids are wrapping up the book of Joshua. You guys remember Joshua? Okay, leader of Israel after Moses. We'll get there eventually here. Um, but you guys remember him and Caleb, they went and spied the land. Okay, God had promised them this land, a home land. Okay, he set them free just as you promised. He did it. It's one thing to believe the promises of God. It's a total different thing just to know about them. And I don't know about you guys, but don't you want to be a people of faith? Don't you want to believe his promises? So I would pray, guys, that God would really open up your hearts, that he would give us grace to obey, to believe, to enter in to what the Lord has. Okay, And part of that this morning, guys, I'm, I'm excited to go to Acts chapter 1 with you guys. If you turn there now in your Bible, we're going to consider um, what took place. Because the last few weeks here at Freedom, we got to celebrate, which uh, the church at large throughout the entire world does yearly, but Palm Sunday comes around, and we celebrate, whoa, here, here, here we have the account of Jesus, okay, being hailed finally. He is finally allowing the people to hail him as king, as savior, as Hosanna, save now. And he fulfilled many prophecies in the scriptures that day. And then we got to have Good Friday just a couple Fridays ago. And that was pretty cool. We did a Passover Seder together, and it was so neat. The kids were so involved with that. We have it online. Some of you guys, I would encourage you. You said, hey, I'd love to do this at home. Um, I hopefully didn't mess it up too bad, but you guys can go through and actually see how they do it, what they did. I have a bunch of slides on the different things they said. You guys could actually do that at home. But we actually considered the reality of Passover, and why that was so important. And the blood there being applied. Okay, they're in Egypt while they were in slavery. And how the death angel would pass over them in that. And we as Christians now, the blood of Christ has been applied to our life. We, we, longer, we don't die anymore. You guys ever think about that? Like, what we consider here in this life is, is death. That's a promotion for you and I. We don't actually die. We get glorified the second that happens. Isn't that kind of cool to think about? So, amen, right? (laughs) Some of us are a little closer. Maybe. I don't know, guys. You ever wonder when the Lord's coming back? One thing that really hit me this week, okay? I've been able to spend some time in a lot of different scriptures. But it's not been determined for us to know times and seasons. 
Some of us in the church think, hey, I know exactly when this is going down. Jesus made it very, very clear. We don't know when that's going to happen. Could it happen today? Absolutely. Could it be 10 years from now? Yeah. We don't know for sure. We're just kind of excited because as we open the Lord's book, it sure talks a lot about what's happening today regarding end time things. And you see, whoa, Israel's back in the land. Wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, plagues, all these things, just as the day of Noah. Yeah, we're living in those days. It's kind of exciting. But we know the heart of our God. We know that he's long-suffering. So enjoyed getting to know our new sister, Amy. She just put her faith in Jesus recently. You know, I'm so glad the Lord didn't come back a month or two ago. She's going to be in heaven with us for all time. Think about how many people just this last week who got to hear the gospel in light of Easter, right? The resurrection. That's a time people go to church. How many people actually heard the gospel? Were actually able to hear spiritually maybe for the first time and finally gave their lives to Jesus? That is so cool. Aren't you guys glad that God waited for you? I sure am. We know he's long-suffering, but we know that's going to come to an end. We don't know that time. We don't know the season in which that's going to happen. All we do know is we have today. And what is God asking us to do today? Hey, you love me. Isn't that the greatest commandment? And love others. So this morning, guys, in light of having Palm Sunday and Good Friday and celebrating the reality of the resurrection last week. Normally churches go back to their topical series or where they're studying in the word. I've never done this before the week after Easter, but I want to consider with you guys, what happened after the resurrection? What happened coming weeks after Jesus rose from the dead? What happened? Well, the book of Acts gets to paint a really neat picture for us of what God began to do through the church. So I want to do just a brief overview of Acts chapter 1 with you. And there's a couple pointed things that I want to speak to this morning. This is not going to be an in-depth teaching. We went through Acts just a few years back. I think those studies may be out online. If you want to do a great study, we thoroughly enjoy going through the book of Acts. But I don't know if you guys have noticed or not. A few weeks back, even Palm Sunday, we were in Acts a little bit. It's one of the few books in the Bible that really get me stoked about what Jesus is up to. It stirs me up, and I want us as a body to be stirred up with what God is up to. Don't you guys want to be a part of what he's up to? I sure do. So let's take a read here in Acts chapter 1. It says here, The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit or <clears throat> through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive, and after his suffering, many infallible proofs being seen by them during the forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Would that not have been cool to see firsthand? the risen Lord Jesus. I think that would have been so cool. Many saw, hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus for 40 days after he had risen from the dead. And did you guys catch in there, he presented himself alive. 
and his suffering by many infallible proofs. We're going to read on in a little bit, guys, that when the church gathered together, okay, the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people. 120 gathered. Hundreds and hundreds of people saw these infallible proofs, but only 120 were there. You guys ever wonder why more people aren't coming to Jesus? Because <laughs> one thing I love, people say, hey, it's, it's, it's a blind faith. You just have to have faith, okay? The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I study his word, the more I look at the proofs and the evidence. You can't argue that Jesus is God, that he really did live, that he really did die, that he really rose from the dead, that this book is set apart from every other religious book in the world. This is the only one that is supernatural. Prophecy upon prophecy upon prophecy upon prophecy. Only God can foretell the future. We're seeing prophecy fulfilled before our eyes right now today. There's no other book that does that, guys. This is how we know this is true. And here we have Jesus risen from the dead. What better proof? People seeing him firsthand, infallible proofs, yet will not follow him. I want to encourage you and I this morning. There are those that we are praying for, that we're sharing the gospel with, that we're giving a defense for the faith that we have in Jesus, apologetics with them, that still won't come to the Lord. They won't bow the knee. God doesn't force anybody to come to him, guys. And there are going to be those, and we're told, that reject him. You can have all the proof in the world, even the people who saw him firsthand, risen from the dead, still did not believe. So be encouraged this morning, guys. We don't save anybody. What we do is we keep sharing, because there might be 120 out there that we get to share with. Amen? That might come to the Lord. We just keep sharing. I don't know about you guys, but I love sharing the word of God. And I don't know about you, because we don't know how long we have. We don't know the times. It might be today. It might be tomorrow. I want to get as much as the word out there so that seed is possible. So let's move on. What else happened here? Look at verse 4. There's a gift given, okay? And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. How many of you guys like waiting? Oh, waiting can be hard, right? But often, guys, we wait, and the Lord asks us to wait upon him. He says to them, hey, I want you to go. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for truly, John, speaking of the Baptist, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is the promise. And isn't that cool? Great, Jesus, you promised to come. You came, okay? We had a sin problem. You dealt with it on the cross. Now, you rise from the dead and you're what? You're going to leave us? Isn't now the time? Aren't you going to set up your kingdom here on earth now? Nope. I'm going to the Father. And a new thing is going to begin. There's going to be this dispensation, this time in history of grace. And it's going to be through this grace, whether Jew or Gentile, a person can be saved. And isn't that beautiful? And isn't that what the Holy Spirit's been doing in the world since that day? 
the promise of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit given to believers. And also as we read in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit is working today, convicting those who are in their sin, of their sin, of their need of a Savior, of what is right. People today are getting saved. God is at work. Well, where are you, Lord? When are you coming back? Do you guys know that the Holy Spirit is God? He's part of the Godhead, part of the Trinity. He is with us. And for you who believed upon Jesus, he lives in you. That's pretty cool to think about. So we have this awesome gift. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. I think that's pretty cool. I don't know about you guys. How many of you guys can testify that you, can just, you, you wouldn't be able to do this Christian walk thing without the Holy Spirit, right? There's sometimes just like, man, I'm so glad my salvation is not up to me. Because if I had to do something to keep it, I'd be so much trouble. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is sanctifying us, growing in us. And it's the coolest thing, guys. All we can do is yield and abide with him. It's a gift. God has that for us. But will we receive that gift? I sure hope so. Therefore, when they had come together, verse 6, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Think about that, guys. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives in us as Christians, but there is something that is unique that took place on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon them in power. Okay, How many of you guys have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I did. I grew up believing in Jesus. I know I was saved, but I could tell the day the Holy Spirit came upon me in power. Something changed because I would talk about Jesus with my friends, but no one ever came to know Jesus. No one would ever care and have questions. And when I got baptized in the Spirit, man, everybody I started talking to, man, we had spiritual conversation. They had questions. I was able to pray with others to receive Jesus. Nothing changed. But when I was baptized in the Spirit, yay, maybe I could start speaking in tongues. Maybe things started happening. The coolest thing was people began to respond to the gospel. And according to the scriptures, guys, what does the Bible say? Hey, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you to be what? Witnesses. Isn't that cool, guys? Think about that. When the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, you are going to be a witness. I so appreciated. Um, I asked last week, and if any of you guys didn't fill out one of those little sheets um, with prayer requests, you know, I got a bunch from you guys, and I've been able to pray this last week for you guys. I wept with some of you. Um, it's so neat uh, to be able to uh, pastor you guys and be able to serve you and to pray for you. Um, there are a lot of neat hearts in this fellowship. God is doing a lot. And I'm blessed because I get a little more insight. You know, I get to have meetings before service and be able to hear stories and being able to pray with you guys, be praying for you. And it's just a beautiful thing that God is doing. One of the things 
Um, despite the hardships, the trials, the, the burden for loved ones, you guys love so well. So many of the prayer requests were for your loved ones. You want to see kids, grandkids, family come to know Jesus. And a lot of the prayer requests were praying for a boldness. You guys have a desire to want to share Jesus. That's beautiful because that's what God has for us. That's why we're still here. The church is here to be witness of Jesus to this world. We are salt and light. Do you not know that you are salt? You are light. And I don't know about you guys, but we need the Holy Spirit to live that out, don't we, guys? That's why I love here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the need of the Holy Spirit. We need it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray right now with you guys before we go on. Some of you guys are saying, yeah, I need that. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you accepted him. You're born again of the Spirit. But you haven't felt that empowering, that boldness to be a witness. Okay? Because I know when I first got baptized in the Spirit, man, I didn't know the word like I know it today. Okay? I couldn't even read at the time. So reading the scriptures was a hard thing. But something changed. There was an empowering. It was the Holy Spirit at work. Hearts were being opened. I know many of you guys desire that. So I would love to pray right now. And I would like anybody who would like to be filled, to have the Holy Spirit come upon you in power, just to stand up right now. And I'm going to pray for you guys. So if anybody wants the empowering of the Holy Spirit in that way, would you please stand to your feet right now, please? Praise the Lord. I know many of you guys have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you know exactly what the scriptures attest to. If any of you guys want to be filled afresh with the Spirit in that way, I'd invite you to stand at this time also, please. Well, let's pray. Praise God, too. <laughs> Father, we are so grateful. God. We're thankful that it is you. It's not some methodology. It's not some magic words or some class that we need to take to be able to testify of you, to be able to share you. But it's going to be the working of your Holy Spirit in, through us, Father, empowering us when you come upon us in such a way that we're able to speak boldly to be witnesses. I praise you, Father, for these brothers and sisters who just want to be instruments in your hands to be able to share your word, the truth of the gospel with others. And all we can simply do is ask in your name, Jesus, that you, by your spirit, would come upon each and every one of these in power. That you'd fill us afresh, God. That there would be a burning so much within our souls, Father, for the, for the lost, that we couldn't help but speak of you, Jesus, to share the good news of who you are and what you've done and, and the promises that you have for your people. So I ask humbly of you, Father, that you would grant each and every one of these just the empowering of your spirit, Lord, that you would anoint us in such a way that we would be a bright light in this community, Father, and beyond throughout the valley, throughout northeast Wisconsin, to the outermost parts of this world. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that you've chosen the weak, the foolish things of the world, Father, to go and to proclaim the greatest truth of all time, 
to hail you as king. So we humbly ask in your name, Jesus, Father, for that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. One thing I do know about God, he loves to give gifts to his kids. You guys ever read there in the Gospels where, hey, we as his kids, we can ask for all these things, and him being good will give them. Even evil dads will give good gifts to their kids, but how much more will our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Isn't that pretty cool to think about? To ask him. And I think about the apostles here. Okay, okay. Jesus is risen from the dead. <laughs> He's told us to go wait. <laughs> what can we do? What are we supposed to do right now? And he's going to ascend into heaven, and there's a promise, a gift of the Holy Spirit that's going to come. What about till then? Do we just hide out? Because they were willing to kill him. <laughs> are they going to want to kill us too? What are we supposed to do? I love what the church did. I think it's exactly what we need to be doing. So let's go on in verse 9 now. When he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly into heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said also, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Pretty cool to think about. Wouldn't that have been a cool scene to see? Do you guys know that Jesus gets to return? Like when he returns, we get to return with him? A cloud of witnesses, we're told in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Cloud of witnesses. It's great. It's huge. And all the saints return with him. And he's going to return in like manner, and we get to come back with him. So, let's go on. What happens after this, okay? Um, we're told in verse 12 that they, okay, the disciples here, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olive, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. This could be the same upper room that they were just in when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, when they partook in that last Seder, Passover, might be that same room. We're not sure. But they went up into the upper room where they were staying. There was Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Wouldn't it be bummer to be this Judas? You guys ever think that? Because the other Judas, what did he do? He just betrayed Jesus, right? I would, yeah, it'd be a bummer to be a disciple named Judas, right? <laughs> Anyways, he loved Jesus. Let's go on to verse 14. I want us to catch this. 14 says, these all continued. So they were continuing something. What were they doing? They had continued with one accord. So there was unity. They were continuing in unity. And how were they doing that? Well, it tells us they were in prayer. They continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers Do you guys want to see unity in the body of Christ today? I do. I pray that often. It's the heart of our God. Do you guys know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
the time where he was before the Father and the prayer was so intense and so real that he was sweating great drops of blood? Do you know that his prayer there, Jesus is our great high priest, was praying that there would be unity among those who would believe on him in the church? That's the heart of God. And unity is going to come through the truth of who Jesus is, guys. And it's found in praying together. Do we pray together as brothers and sisters? We have a hard time, to be honest, praying together when we are together in a church family that we're very like-minded. We have a lot of things in common. Doctrinally, we agree on things. And it's still hard to pray together sometimes, isn't it? but we're called to be praying together. And I encourage you guys, come out at 9 a.m. Let's pray together upstairs. Make that a priority. Come out to men's prayer, women's prayer. Make a point, even after service. I love how fellowship takes place here. There's times we're hanging out an hour after service sometimes. Take that time. Pray with one another. Be sending prayer requests to one another. Let's be praying together. And be okay even praying with somebody that maybe is not a part of our denomination. Wait a minute, brother. We're not a denomination. We're non-denominational. What are you talking about? We love, we love Jesus. We believe in Jesus. And do you guys know that there's a lot of other people who are part of different church tribes, denominations that also know Jesus? Have you guys ever prayed with another brother or sister in a grocery store? Never met them before. You just bumped into them. You start talking to them. And oh boy, awesome. You love Jesus too. And you have a great conversation, and they end up praying with a total random stranger who's actually a brother or sister in the Lord right there in a grocery store. We can do that. It's beautiful. I would love to see the valley coming together as a whole, praying together. And that's what they did here. Hey, go wait on me, Jesus says. And while you're waiting, <laughs> I want you guys to be of one accord. You'd be one accord, and you're going to do that by praying together. Some of you guys may feel a little disconnected, like I'd like to get to know my church family a little more because our church is growing, guys. A lot of you are new within the last year or two. Praying with one another, that's how you really get to know people. And in doing so, you really get to know their hearts also. You guys ever find that to be true? When you pray with somebody, you actually get to know them quicker. You get to know their hearts. There's a little bit more vulnerability, real things. It's a beautiful thing. That's why I so appreciate you guys sharing prayer requests with me. I feel like I get to know a little bit more of you, where you're at with the Lord, what's going on. Your hearts are shared. It's beautiful. So let's be a people that pray together. Now, we're almost getting to the verse I wanted to talk about this morning, by the way. Let's pick it up in verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. And he said, verse 16 is what I want to camp on for a minute with you guys this morning. He says, men and brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before the mouth of David concerning Judas, who had become a guide to those who arrested him, for he was numbered with us, and he obtained a part in this ministry. Now, why do I want to speak to this scripture? What I want us to see this morning, guys, and really I want to communicate part of the vision of our church, you guys know we love God's word. And the reason why we love his word, according to this, guys, the Holy Spirit has empowered the scriptures. Do you guys know that? 
Jesus even said that his word is spirit. And that's why those who aren't spiritually alive, born again, can't even discern what the word of God is truly about. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You got saved and you're just like, whoa, I've fallen in love with the scriptures. I was blind, but now I can see. And there's something, guys, when we open the word, when the word is taught, when it is proclaimed, okay, there is a spiritual thing that's taking place. And that's why we pray, God, give us ears to hear what your spirit would have to say to us. There is something unique. We're really good as Christians to jump on board with other things. But are we willing to really trust what God says about his word? That, hey, this is what effectively works in those who believe. It's his word. It is all God-breathed. If it effectively works, if it teaches us what is right and wrong, how to get right, how to stay right, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3.16. Do you guys think that, hey, this is pretty important? I really believed when I came today that God was going to speak to me through his word. And I was praying that he would use my pastor today to speak his word. Because here, in verse 16, who spoke, prophesied about Judas? It was the Lord. It was prophetic scripture being spoken, but it was through a man, a man who had a heart for God, and he spoke through David. And Peter here is actually sharing and quoting this. He's using scripture to speak, okay? And in that, guys, we know the apostle Peter also told us in his letter that his holy men were moved by God, okay? They wrote the scriptures. Think about that. God will take his word. And as we share his word with others, guys, his spirit's going to do a work. And I think that's why it's so good for you and I to be in the word, to be teaching others. Aren't we told to go into all the world? Make disciples? By how? Well, it's inviting them to, you know, to this fun outreach. Maybe we'll preach Jesus a little and they might get saved. No, Jesus said, hey, you go. Make disciples, teaching them all that I've said. Wow. That's God's methodology. We get to teach the word. And it's effective because it's infused with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I think that is so cool. And that's something I don't want us ever to take for granted. And that is something that we hold too tightly here at Freedom Fellowship. We're going to take the word of God seriously. That's why we love just jumping into a book. And working through the scriptures, we want to give the whole counsel of God because it is all needed. It is all good. So I want to encourage you guys, be learning the word, sharing the word. This fall, I'm going to be asking you guys to do something that you might be a little uncomfortable with. But if we have the Holy Spirit and we have his word, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit, hey, maybe we should start loving our neighbors in a way where we invite them in and we share the word with them. I truly believe there are many of you guys who have been diligent in studying to show yourselves approved. You know the word well. I would even say you know the word better than some pastors I know here in the valley. You know it well. Why not start a Bible study? Share with your friends, with your loved ones. I got a buddy on Sunday mornings 
they just get together with family and they open the word and they're studying. That's good. I think there's a place for the church body to come together as a whole because they're our gifts. But there's, you know, what's wrong with getting together with others and getting into the word? Because it is inspired by the spirit of God. And that's what we see here. The spirit had, or the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke. It had to be fulfilled. Do you guys know that all of this has to be fulfilled? Much of it has been, but there's a lot. The Bible talks more about today, prophetically speaking, than any other time in history. That's kind of exciting. I don't know about you guys, but that gets me stirred up. That makes me want to share with people. So let's read on. We'll wrap up <clears throat> the rest of Acts uh, quickly because I want to take some time. We're going to have a family conversation about some things going on and upcoming. So let's move on then to verse 18. Now, this man, speaking of Judas again, guys, he had purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. In falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and his entrails gushed out. Yes, kids, this is a Bible story. <laughs> Do you guys ever think that when you read the scripture? You're like, really? It's pretty graphic. Anyways, um, and it became known to all the dwelling in Jerusalem. And the field is called, in their language, Ekeldama, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, being for our, beginning from his baptism of John to the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph called Bar, uh, Barsabas, okay, or Sabbath, okay, maybe he was born on a Sabbath day, son of the Sabbath, who is surnamed Justice and Matthias. My, my pick would be Matthias just because it's easier to say his name, right? Let's look at verse 24 and see what happens. They prayed and they said, Oh Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry in apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go into his own place and cast, and they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Now wrapping this up, guys, we don't know a whole lot about this Matthias, who was picked to be one of the disciples, uh, one of the 12. Um, history tells us that he went to Ethiopia, and Ethiopia actually has a thriving church still to this day throughout the centuries of those who believed in Jesus. But it is one of those things, guys. God does call people to lead. Okay? There are those who are called to serve in such ways. And that's something I want you guys to really be praying about. You know, what is God asking me to do? How am I to serve? How am I to lead? You know, within the church context, there are different roles, okay, that God gives to the church. There's authorities there, okay, that are to speak into the lives of a local congregation. But whether we like it or not, I feel like we're all called to pastor in one way or another. I don't know if you guys agree with me that, with that or not, but if you're a mom or dad, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people who have been trusted into your care that you are to love and serve and to train in the things of the Lord. 
Okay? We have two beautiful sisters who are downstairs this morning shepherding our little ones. Okay? They've been praying and studying this week to teach the littles. There are gals here in our fellowship who have a heart, hey, I, I want to teach my sisters. You know, There's some of you guys that you know the Lord's asking you to step up, to, to study, to be sharing. But there are circles of influence that we have. It may be in your workplace. There's people under your care that you can be speaking to, that you can be teaching. There may be neighbors. I don't know what your place of influence is, but we all have it in one way or another. I think about some of the friends I've had over the years. It's just like, hey, you're, you're, you're like in my, in my inner circle. We're, we're, we're really close, and you don't walk with the Lord. I want to share with you. I want you to know him like I know him. In the, you know, we, we can do that, and I want to encourage you guys. Again, the Holy Spirit has empowered his word, and we know his word. And the word is not just for us. I don't know about you guys, but um, I don't want to be a fat sheep. I don't think the Lord has intended us to be chunky sheep, okay? We're, we're, we're to go share the word. And as we're blessed, as we receive, I believe it's to give. We've been blessed. We get to bless others. And I just wanna, I want us to really have a vision of, hey, we want to live out the word. I had a great conversation with a brother earlier this week. He just, we were talking about just inviting somebody to church, you know? And that's kind of been a challenge to me the last few days you know, like, I invite people to church, but do you guys know, like, an intentional invite is different than just a, it's like, oh, you know, church is at 930 if you just want to come Sunday, we'd love to see you there. It's different when you invite somebody, like, hey, I love you, I really care about you, I, I want to see you come to know Jesus, I would love for you to come and hear his word. You know, can I pick you up Sunday morning and bring you to church? You guys know what I'm talking about? There's a different type of invite. And I've been challenged a little bit this week. You know, I, I give out a lot of general invites. I can go on Facebook like, hey, church tomorrow, join us. It's really different than me actually purposely, hey, that person in my life that I've been praying for, I'm going to be purposely reaching out, grabbing coffee maybe with them, talking with them, being real with them about the things of the Lord. And I'm going to make a very personal invite to them. So I thank you for challenging me in that way. And I've been praying specifically. And my one ask of you guys is to be praying. Maybe it's just one person. Maybe someone came to your mind as I'm talking about this. Pray and purposely share with them. People need to hear. So I don't know about you guys, but it's been a long time since somebody came up to me concerned about me whether or not I knew Jesus, if I was going to heaven. When is the last time somebody came up to you to check your salvation, to see if you know Jesus? Has anybody had anybody come up to you randomly in the last week to share Jesus with you? Has anyone heard a street preacher in the last week out proclaiming the gospel anywhere in the last week? How about the last month? Anybody come up to you in the last four weeks? We could go on and on, couldn't we? My point being, guys, if we're not doing it, who's going to do it? That's what God's asked us as the church. I don't want to throw a trip on us. I just want to do what God's asked us to do. Because being obedient to the Lord is a beautiful thing. And I don't know about you guys, there's a whole lot of people like you and I who probably not been shared with. 
think I've shared this before, but there was a gal who went to Mass her entire life in her 80s, and I shared the gospel with her, and I got to pray with her to receive Jesus. She had never heard the gospel before, and she went to church her entire life. It's about Jesus. He's Savior. It's not about being a good person. It's about Jesus. He's Savior. It's not about going to a church. It's about Jesus. He's Savior. And we get to witness that, be witnesses of that. We get to preach that. What a privilege we have, guys, to be able to share the word of God. So I share this this morning because I've been in the book of Acts a lot lately, and I'm so encouraged of what happened after the resurrection. It's not like Jesus just said, peace out, I'm coming back someday. I'm going to leave you guys as orphans. No, (laughs) he's given us his spirit to live out his mission. Okay, You guys are well taught here at Freedom. I believe we've been entrusted with a lot. I don't know about you guys, but I think we need to give and we need to share. Amen? Amen. Amen.